Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 300 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I honestly cannot believe this is episode 300. I feel like I just did episode number 200 with uh, my friend and amazing assistant, Ed Giordano. That's a fantastic episode if you haven't heard that one. 300, I thought, how will I celebrate? And then I thought, uh, how about giving yourself a break and not trying to come up with something brand new and um, doing a big thing? Instead, I could just say how grateful I am that I am still doing this show 300 episodes in and that you are still listening. There are some people who have been listening since the very beginning, and I really appreciate you all. And there are those of you for whom this will be the very first episode. Welcome to this space. Oh, I know this is extemporaneous, but why don't I tell you a little bit about who I am? I am Rachel Heron. I've written a bunch of books. I've written a memoir, romance, contemporary, uh, what are, they, what are we calling it this week? Uh, book club fiction, uh, thriller, and nonfiction about writing. I live in Wellington, New Zealand. I am 49 years old. This is going to be my 50th birthday coming up this year. Not sure how I'm going to celebrate it, uh, but what I love to do is write and talk to writers about their writing. And I love to encourage people to get their writing done. So if you are new, uh, let me reassure you that you are in the right place. If you are looking for positive encouragement, because that is what I believe in. Yes, this industry and the job itself is difficult, but it ain't nothing you can't do. It isn't. It really isn't. Oh, and I have the best thing to tell you about. I got the best email this week. But first, let me tell you a little bit about the amazing guest who is coming up today, Amy S. Peel. Uh, we talk about keeping our writing top of mind, forefront of your day, always kind of keeping touch with your manuscript, um, because that is something that is super, super easy to lose sight of in our normal workaday, busy lives. If we miss a few days of writing, how do we keep thinking about our books? So I know that you are going to enjoy the interview. Um, let's see. Uh, what I wanted to tell you about is this fantastic email that I got from this woman named Ellen. And I think I'm, I've talked her into being on the podcast, so she will be on the podcast at some point. But this email blew my mind, blew my mind. Uh, she says, uh, at the beginning, she's listened to my podcast. She just wanted to write and say, thank you. She says, and I am quoting this with her permission. She says, I owe you a huge thank you for all your advice and time you've given to the writing community. I'm a teacher who woke at 4 30 AM for my regular day job. It took me nine years to write my first book. I never thought I'd be able to write faster. But when I heard you say that you just woke up an hour earlier for your 911 job, I was like, well, no bullshit anymore. If she can do it, so can I. So I woke up at 3.30. Now it's 3 a.m. I still teach, but I am about to publish my 16th book. I am now making more than my day job, and I am not slowing down. Seriously, thank you for what you do. I would not be where I am today without your motivation through your experiences and advice. Ellen, uh, oh my God, I got teary. I was so happy. I love hearing these kinds of stories. They just absolutely make my whole life. And Ellen, I also have to say, I can't wait to talk to you. Um, if you want to check out Ellen Joy, you can go to ellenjoyauthor.com. 
And I would suggest that you do because, oh my God, Ellen, you're doing everything right. Your web page is so good. Your covers are fantastic. You're writing in series, which is a great way to go if you want to make money in this industry. Everything you do looks so awesome. And it displays to me that you are taking such beautiful care of your business and keeping track of all the stuff that's on the outside of the writing as well as on the inside of the writing. And and you've got amazing reviews and I'm just so proud of you. And yes, um, it was, most of you have, you know, heard the story of me realizing, you know, I was in a, I was at my very first Romance Writers National Conference and I was listening to Eric Maisel and he said something like, if you're not writing, when you say you're going to write, then that's not your method. And you need to write first thing if you're not following through on your promises to yourself. And I wasn't writing when I was telling myself I would write. And I sat in this audience and I threw myself a little fit. And I, in my head, I was like, I already get up at, I think I was getting up at 4.45 or so, then between 4.45 and 5 in order to get ready really quickly for work and be at my job at 6 a.m., which was, no, I had to be there. No, I must've been getting up at 4.30 already because the commute was an hour. I had to drive an hour, get to my job at 6 a.m. And then I would work till 6 p.m. on 12 hour shifts, drive home, go to bed, get up. And I thought to myself, I cannot get up before 4.30, Eric. You don't know what you're talking about, Eric. And uh, and he kept on talking. And then I realized it, it just the penny dropped. I, re- I realized, oh no, he's right. I actually have to get up earlier because I'm not writing when I say I'm going to be writing. So I need to write before that. And so I must have been getting up at 4.30 at that point. So I started getting up at four, which was awful. And I would just write for those 30, 30 minutes, but I started getting work done. And then I would get up a little earlier, 3.45, 3.30. And I was getting a good hour, hour, 15 minutes before I would go and do my day job. And that is how I finished books. That is how I got my first book published. That is how I got my eight, well, my agent and then the books published and, and et cetera. And I spent 10 years from 2006 until 2016, working two jobs full-time. Both of those jobs are full-time. I was working about hundred hours a week and it was, and I loved it and I loved it. And honestly, now that I'm a full-time writer, I do not write books any faster. It, that None of that has changed for me. Uh, and I am just so thrilled to read this from Ellen and know that you are doing it. You are writing books. You've written and published 16 beautiful books. And I just could not be more proud of you. So thank you for telling me that. And um, I apologize for going on to that soapbox, but no one has to get up at three in the morning to do this job unless you want to write and you're not doing it any of the other hours, then that proves that's not your method. So you got to change it up a little bit. Try getting it, try doing the writing first thing in the morning. Um, if you already get up at 3 a.m., I will never tell you to get up at 2 a.m but I may tell you to get up at 3 a.m. So there is that. What else did I want to talk about today? I had myself, I have myself a little list of things. Oh, yes. Um, so I did, fit, I guess I'm fitting a lot of things into episode 300. I did finish my revisions on complete the memoir. I will be sending it out to my agent soon. I am doing the very, 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 very last check, which is I look at the Word document before I send it to her and I run checks on certain words. And I just go through the entire document on one word at a time, making sure that that word, if I'm choosing to use it, 
has to stay there. Sometimes it does, but my list for this book right now, and it changes for every book, uh, but my words are, I'm looking for eventually, actually, finally, those are some crutch words for me. Uh, and also numb, which I tended to overuse in this book, gasped because I don't like using that word. Uh, just, just, it will always be a bugaboo word for me. It's on, you know, I think I I did the search once I have a screenshot of it and it was on one page five or six times glowing yellow at me, uh, had never noticed that. So, um, taking out the just, and then I'm taking out the feel word, the word feel and felt can often be removed and made stronger. And I did a video of this not too long ago. You can go to rachelheron.com slash felt to look at that video and how I get rid of that and similar words to make the writing more active and more interesting and help it leap off the page. Uh, So that's what I'm doing. And then I'm going to be sending it to my agent, but I'm just so excited that I did complete this massive, difficult revision, which you all were very much with me on as I got the revision letter and stumbled and mourned and then just got down to work. So I am excited about that. And also something I'm very excited about, if you're watching on the video over my shoulder here, you can see I got the paperbacks for Hush Little Baby, which is being released in three weeks or so all over the world. And for once, I took a moment to enjoy the unboxing because in past years, I tend to just slice open the box. I pull out the book. I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy looking at it, but I don't do anything about it. So I made a little video for you all. And in the video, I talked through how it feels to unbox your book. And you can get to that by going to rachelheron.com slash unbox. And I hope that you do. I, it was really, really, really nice to unbox that book. Hush little baby. So that's, The only other thing I wanted to tell you about today on this episode 300, things are going well. It's fun. I love writing and I love talking to you about writing. And I am so grateful that you are here with me, that you listen, that you do come find me where I am on the internet and tell me how it is going. When people like Ellen reach out and tell me that I have made any positive difference in their lives, it makes me float around the room like I am filled with helium and my voice comes out funny. And it's just a really good time for everybody. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And Ellen Joy, I am so proud of you. Oh my gosh, just amazing. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about the also amazing Amy S. Peel, who is coming up in this interview right now. Amy S. Peel, RN, is the award-winning, best-selling author of Cut and Match medical mysteries with a mission and a side of humor. Before becoming a writer, Amy enjoyed a fascinating 35-year career in the organ transplant field, which provides an authentic backdrop to her books. She learned early on in her medical career that humor was an important survival skill and studied improvisation at the world premier school, Second City in Chicago. Amy currently resides in San Francisco, close to the Golden Gate Bridge, where she loves to swim, teach yoga, and meditate. She was recently elevated to the Nevada City Council, where she's discovering a new population of folks who may find their way into being her literary victims. Thank you for being here for episode 300. Thank you for listening and please enjoy this fabulous interview with Amy. 
Hey, would you like to come write with me, with my writing community? At Rachel Says Write, we write together twice a week, every Monday and Wednesday from 5 to 7 Pacific Time, 8 to 10 Eastern Time. We say hi and chat the tiniest little bit, and then together we write. It's truly magical the amount of words we get done together. You want to check it out with a week's free trial to see how it might work for you? Just go to rachelheron.com. Rachel Says Write to join us. Well, hello there. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I'm very honored to be here. My name is Amy Peel. I'm a she, her, just Thank for you. reference. Thank you very, very, very much. Uh, we were chatting before the show. We are, um, you live very close to where I used to live. So we're immediately bonding over that. Um, but I am absolutely so fascinated by your story that you are, that you were in the organ transplant field. And this has led directly into your writing. So I kind of want to ask before I get into the normal questions, was this something that you always wanted to do is be a writer? Yeah. Um, I thought so in high school, freshman year, I was took English. Um, but my teacher gave me an F because I used a definition from the dictionary and I didn't know what plagiarism was at freshman high school. I have to tell you, you know, when you're that young, you don't know until you, yeah, I guess it's over. (laughs) <laughs> so. And look at that teacher crushed you for how many years? Uh, well, so I many high school, 71. So <laughs> long time. And I didn't know you couldn't put it, you know, I was just learning, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you teach writing. Yeah. And so anyway, but I, I, I think I'm a story. I know I'm a storyteller. People have said you're a storyteller, but becoming a writer, um, I wrote off and on, went to community college, been in writing groups. So I wasn't thinking of a murder mystery when I was working initially, but once I became involved in going to mystery writing conferences and all of that, I realized that I probably had some pretty good ideas. However, you're going to love this. You know, Michael Conley. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So he, um, we live in, you know, Marin County, we have book passage, which, you know, is such a great store. Yeah. And independent bookstore and Michael Conley came. And of course, you know, I was one of those big nerds sitting right in front, right? <gasps> and listening. And his story at the time had a heart transplant patient in it. So, you know, afterwards, you know, I'm, I walk, nice to meet you. I said, I work in transplant, but I don't want to write about it. And he goes, <laughs> all he says is, that's too bad. You know, <laughs> a man, a few words. But, and I want, I was writing another fun light mystery series at the time. And then finally, I realized that what you know when you teach yeah. probably is right what you know and i did 35 years in my career of transplant so i really know it well oh. so I, I i let it go and said okay that is so cool i i was a 911 dispatcher for 17 years and i i rebelled against using any of those stories for a long time and then i just decided i know trauma i know emergency I know what the beginning of the worst day of someone's life sounds like. And as a writer, we get to fix those things. You know, that's, that's what I love. So, okay. Well, tell me about your process when and where, and how do you get it all done? (laughs) Well, I um, first knew when I wanted, I, I was, the kids were young. My kids are older now, 33, 31, but I, I, um, well, you're going to love this because you know, the artist's way by Julia Cameron. Love it. Life changing. I still do the morning pages every day. Yeah. So I was doing it with some friends and you know how they say, make this list in seconds. And a writer kept coming up and I'm thinking, I'm not a writer. 
Like, why does this keep coming up years and years and years ago? Right. So, and I thought, okay, well maybe, you know, so I did start writing. I found a class at um, college of Marin and it was a beautiful, kind teacher and give us seeds, you know, a a word to write. And I, I always felt like I wanted to write more because he just was so gracious. I knew, I knew I wasn't like, uh, my, you know, gremlins and like self-doubt. Yes. I, I know I'm a great nurse. I know I'm a great transplant administrator. I, I am clear on that. Um, and not in a boastful way, but I did it for yeah. so long and it was my yeah. passion, but now I was putting my toe in a different pond. And so I was lucky to have somebody, an instructor, a professor that just every time I wrote, I felt like he genuinely wanted to hear more. And oh. so, so that's how I started. And then I wrote a memoir in 2009 that I self-pubbed and thank God I did because my mom was alive when we got to do a book tour together. Oh, wonderful. A gift. And (sighs) then I started going to writing conferences. So how did it start? Book Passage has mystery writing conferences. And again, I'm the real nerd going to everything, the FBI, the forensics, the doctors. I mean, I know how to kill people pretty well. And I also know how to recover their organs. I'm clear on all that. I don't, I could speak to that. However, there's, you know, there's all the details, right? And I knew I was in the right place when I walked in and there was this 90, literally 90 year old woman saying, what kind of gun should I use? And what bullet? Because I don't want to make a mess. She's saying this, right? (laughs) You're like, these are my people. (laughs) These, I'm I'm home. I am home. (laughs) So I went and I went and I, I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner. And so I would read and I would write. And anyway, over time, I learned um, a lot and I'm still learning a lot as a writer. We all are. Writing, we all should character. be. Yeah. And isn't that the funnest, the best It'll part never of end. being a writer? No, no. And there's always something new or something different. And even if you look at my transplant world, if we get to that later, everything continues to change, but it's pretty cool. So the process really has been going to hear the best of the best, reading them. And then at locally, as you know, in Marin County, we have some of those authors live right here. You know, you're sitting there having a little lunch or, you know, Isabel Allende is helping her clear the plates, you know, the owner of the bookstore, like, you know, pass the salt and pepper, you know, Harlan Coben comes and you get to meet him and he's like, got his t-shirt and jeans on. Yeah. Louise Penny. I got to meet her in person. And after my first book came out, I was late in line and I, you know, I'm just, it's me. And I'm grateful. I get the chills and excited about authors. And, and I said, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a new writer. I just wrote a book and she said, go get it. And I went and Got the book off the shelf at Books Passage, and she said, "Let's take a picture." Now she had a line out. You know, she was just—it was just like another gift, another That's message. Gorgeous. And then one of the things she said in an interview I heard on a podcast, which really changed a little bit about my writing, was she said when she first started writing, and if your listeners probably know, she's an international, amazing, oh, yeah. beautiful human being. And she said that when she first started writing, because she was a journalist in Canada, that she decided she wasn't sure who would read her, read her books or like her books. So she picked a place she wanted to be in three pines created characters. She wanted to hang out with Mm -hmm. so that if nobody came, at least she had fun writing the book in the place she wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, what a great attitude. Like it's, it opens up and welcomes the author writer to, for me, when I heard her say that, go, 
well, then just have fun with it, you know, because I know we all want to get it right <laughs> the first time. And we know that's not what really happens when we write <laughs> the first, the second. <laughs> it's impossible to get it right in those in those early drafts. And and I love that we have to love being where we are. Um, I was recently asked, you know, do you write for a particular person? And and I answered really truthfully, I write, I write for the me, the myself who is in the bookstore looking for exactly what I want. And so I write about the places and the people that I want to spend time with. And, and when you give yourself that permission, it's just gorgeous. It's a gift. Yeah. It's just a gift to your creative spirit, I think. So are you uh, more of a pantser or a plotter? Well, I'm a plotter, but I plot in a different way. Ooh, I learned, um, yeah. So I don't know. Brooke Warner is the, she's had a, she writes press. She's an yeah. amazing woman. She's great. I've been working with her for a long time. So when I first was working full time in transplant, park my life at the job kind of thing, there was not a lot of writing to be yeah. had. However, I was, I, I, you know, worked with her as a book coach and she had me scaffold. So it's not so much an outline as a chapter one, you know, Rachel's point of view, we're at the hospital. Chapter two, Amy's point of view, we're in the operating room. And I would mm-hmm. say a few sentences. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of laid that down, all of it. And then I would go back and then do free rights and do that. And, and then kind of fill in the blanks. Yeah, fill in the blanks. But I kind of, one, what helped me, because I, I was getting several point of view citations, which I'm sure you give out to your students at times. I don't get as many now, just for the, just for the record. But when I say it's it easier, if I'm yeah. saying Rachel's point of view at the very beginning uh, uh, while I'm writing and yeah. I, and then all of a sudden Amy knew that Rachel thought that chocolate tasted so good. I was like, how would she know what I'm tasting? Right. So I right. learned, so I scaffold and then I just write, write, write. And then I work with a developmental editor now who really helps me kind of stay the course. Cause I can go off to here and tell you about the chicken cacciatore or this delicious burrito. And honestly, she's like, Amy, unless one of the main characters is going to be a chef, you're going to have to cut some of this food out because your reader and it, you know, like you said, yeah. you're in the bookstore, you want the, you want to find that book yeah. for you. I was writing about a burrito scene when my characters were waiting for this lyric and I stopped. I went downtown Novato, got the burrito and I ate it because I made myself so hungry writing about what I wanted. To I have in. done exactly that. I have done exact. Also, you're killing me too. The one thing we do not have in New Zealand is a burrito is a mission oh. burrito. Oh. And it's the one thing that I go to sleep dreaming about. So I'm glad that you didn't put the burrito. In well, she had me take it out. I did get the chicken cacciatore in the second book. And she told me I need to write. And I will my, I'm working on a, a after my third mystery, I'm working on a romantic comedy and it, it's going to be a chef. Okay. Oh. She said, as long as you write about a chef, then you can have more food. Yes. But, you know, she's like, you're taking, I want people to stay on the story, stay in the plot. I don't want them going off to eat here or drink that. I mean, you, they're going to have to eat something. All right. Or maybe have a sip of wine. I don't know. But anyway. Um, so I've had, I have had the good fortune to be surrounded in a very rich literary part of the country yeah, with people who are very accessible and willing to sit down and talk to you, even at these mystery conferences. And these are big name authors and then just keep learning and then getting good feedback. And then obviously writing the transplant murder mysteries. <laughs> now, how did you find your developmental editor when you needed one? Cause that's so something she- I'm always asked. Yes. I found her through Brooke Warner. Okay, great. 
Yeah. And she's amazing. And she really, Annie Tucker, I love her. Um, I did tell her I hated her a couple of times. <laughs> Nobody's ever told me they hate me. I said, well, I kind of love you, but I'm going to be straight up with you. Now I'm really hating you because you're making me take out some of the scenes that I really liked writing and I get it. And she's absolutely right. <laughs> right. You know, but yeah. Oh, you, know, you know, when That's, you write something, you just like, Oh yeah. That's the thing is if we are working with good developmental editors, which is what we should all be doing, we're working with good ones, the best ones. When they tell us something, I have guesstimated over the course of my books that they're 90, 98 to 99% absolutely correct. And I want to tell them to go jump off a cliff for about 70% of their suggestions. And about 30%, I'm like, yeah, okay, you're right. And it takes me time to come around to the, uh, that, the, 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 the rest of that 70%. But they're always right because this is their job. Our job is, we're the writer. Yes. We do the writing. Their job is to show us how our books can be stronger. That is where they excel. Um, how was it your first time through developmental edits? That was tough. <laughs> it was hard. I, um, you know, I think like most of us, we like to get an A plus on our first. Yes. You know, and, and there's a critic and a judgment and a gremlin part of. I still send creative. my books out thinking like, oh, this is going to be the time she's going to say, nope, you got it. You nailed it. Perfect. This is the best ever. I can't there, believe I didn't think of it. I wouldn't right? even want that to happen, but I still dream it could. Yeah. Something I want the A plus. It must be the ego. Yeah. It's got to be. And then when I, I and I, and I, it's still to this day, and I've been with her for years, I send her something, she sends it back. And if it's a little late, I go, it's probably terrible. I'm not going to read it till tomorrow. I'm, you know, I said the gremlins start going, see, I told you. Yeah. And you know, all the negative stuff. I mean, I work with, I I'm taming the gremlins, but they still have a little, they're all, they'll always be there. Yeah. That, that's the word on the street. So just uh, <laughs> shake hands. Thanks for coming. I appreciate your feedback and I'm going to go back and I'm going to go do a little bit of work now. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Uh, getting my butt in the chair, getting my seat in the chair. There's How do you get it there? Um, what are your tricks? I have a lot of, I, I have a lovely writing room. So I got yeah. that going. I set yeah. the stage. I've got my diffuser. I got my heater. Um, I make, well, accountability, I guess, is the short answer. I made a commitment. If you're my development editor, I've got a deadline for the mm-hmm. third book. I, it's not like you, I can just go, you know what? I was just kidding. I, I'm not writing this book. This is their income. This is what yeah, they rely their on. Their income. Yeah. They, I've I've got a, a literary agent. I've got a development editor. I've got a publisher. I like who knew, and it happens. Um, but so what gets me in there is the commitment, accountability, yeah. and I, and what's helped a lot too of recent, like in the last year or so. I, I'm in this thought leadership academy with Sarah Cannell, and I learned about this power hour. So what it would be is if you and I were both writing books, I would say, hey, Rachel, you want to do a power hour on Thursday at four. And then you and I show up together on Zoom. Mm-hmm. We don't chit chat. Don't talk about burritos. I don't send you a picture of them, but I might. Um, <laughs> and I know that I have to be accountable to you. Yeah. I may have all the deadlines and I know I'll meet them. I know, I know I'm not someone that's going to you know, not meet my deadline. And there's just days where it's easier to show up to the page. And then there's these days where like, it's not. And so I think, I think it's just discipline and accountability. Yeah. I lead a group. We meet four hours a week just to sit on the computer on zoom quietly and write. And I lead it for them, but I also lead it for myself because I get the work done while I'm there. 
you know, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. So what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? What's my joy is that I show up and then I start writing and then, you know, yeah. the magic happens. Like I had so much fun writing this whole chapter the last two days. It, none of it was plotted. None of it was scaffolded. All of a sudden, uh, you know, I have a morning ritual and I meditate and like you do the morning pages. And I thought, okay, all right. And then like, sometimes you, you're the scribe, like it's coming out, but I couldn't show, I couldn't prove a piece of paper to tell you what I just wrote the last couple of days. And I am like, wow. And then my characters who I love a lot, um, they do stuff I wouldn't do, but after you get in the flow, you know, I mean, Jackie Larson's one of my main characters. I fashion her after Melissa McCarthy. Oh, I love that. I love Melissa McCarthy. And I make a storyboard. I have a picture. I go through all the magazines and I cast the characters as if there's going to be a movie. And I make a pretty storyboard in my office. They're staring at me now. I'll get back to you later. And then I look at them and I think, well, if I'm like, well, what would he say? Or what would he look like? Or what color was his hair? And I've already got them already prescribed. So I can like, I mean, I'm not nutty. I mean, I'm, I'm a little crazy, but I'm not cuckoo. But I can talk to my characters and in a way that they inform it. And that to me is the, one of the coolest things about being a writer is that when you don't even know and you show up and you start writing and your characters start telling you stuff that was not in your outline, your mind or your story. And often it's the thing that fixes the book that you needed and that, yeah. Oh, it's just, oh, that's the best, best, best. And there feeling. was one thing in the, um, well, when I was outlining this book and the one I'm working on now hold, it's called, I was so excited. I wanted to call somebody and tell them what happened because, you know, to me it was real, right? Yeah. Believe it. I can't do any, you know, I can't really <laughs> tell you what it is. We could tell it. I could tell you after we, you know, turn the sound off, but <laughs> I was beside myself. <laughs> so it's just, it's kind of ridiculous, but you know, it's kind of magical. It is. It is the joy. It is the magic of writing. And it's, I think it's the, it's the high we all chase. We're all chasing that. And that's yes. why we keep coming back. Oh, okay. So can you share a craft tip with us of any sort? I have a couple. Great. I have a lot. I have a basket full. <laughs> So, and they're simple ones that I, I told you about the power hour. Yes. Love um, it. When I was working full-time in transplant, it was, it was 14, 15 hours a day. So I couldn't actually write, write. But what I did do is I gave, uh, cause you know, the, all with the passwords and whatnot, everywhere's gone. So I put the passwords at work were the name of my character <gasps> in my book. So even though I was talking. How cute hearts, is that? Lungs, kidneys, whatever it, you know, that's my day job. Yeah. But You're when typing I typing the name over and over, over and over and over and over. And I am telling you, at least I kept remembering her, even though my day was totally somewhere else. Right. But it was that tactile. Yes. I had to type her name in to get into my email. And so it, at some level in my subconscious or conscious, yes. she was hanging with me, but I couldn't really hang out with her. Like That's I couldn't go out for dinner freaking me out. It's so good. No one has ever said anything like that. And I absolutely love it. You are literally priming your brain to yes. always be thinking about the story. Yes. And then when I did decide on the, uh, another clue for me is that people do right where they were from where, where they have worked or their mm -hmm. career, mm -hmm. 
once I decided the first book cut was coming out, then when I went to the transplant floor, I, you know, I'm, I'm in selection meetings or whatever. It's like a new door opened up in my mind because I thought, well, how would I describe this to you, Rachel? You've mm-hmm. never been in a meeting where we decide who gets on the list or who doesn't, mm-hmm. even though that's the real meeting. And everyone of, is fascinated by that. We all want to know my, about that. Part of my mind was, but, but how would I describe it to a total stranger who's yeah. never been in this world? Like, and so I, I, I guess I uh, increased my awareness of my world that was, you know, pretty much normal to me, but obviously not to everybody else. So that was another little piece. And let's see. Oh, I know. One of the fun things I got uh, Sarah Canal taught me is even though the book's not done or, you know, you might know what the, I mean, I thought I knew what the titles were, but, you know, you, you take a piece of paper and you write the title of your book on the piece of paper by Amy Peel or by Rachel and you tape it to another book and you put it on your desk so that it looks as if the book's done. Now, there was no cover, I mean, or anything, but my brain kept seeing this mocked up book as if it was real. So the gremlins, you know, because they had uh. their time, could say, you can't write that book in my other side. Of, you know, it's all a mind thing. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, but I just got this book on my I desk. did. It's it, right there. I could so, see it. Take that, gremlins. So <laughs> that's that's one of them. And then I've named my gremlin. I've been in a writing group with uh, three other women for over 20 years. Wow. Yeah, it's really great because we do get to those. What was I thinking? I don't think there's no one's going to buy this book. Right. Blah, 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 blah. So my friend Betsy Fassbender and I, we named her. My gremlin's name is Ursula. Her gremlin's name is Dominique. So when I'm getting into that little dark place, I just go, okay. I call Betsy. I go, Betsy, it's Amy. Uh, Ursula wants to talk to you and she'll go put that B on the phone. Right. So I go, thanks. So then she, you know, and I'm on it. I mean, we're making it up, but it's like my big sister's coming in and going, really, are you talking to my friend, Amy that way? That's the best. So I give That's them a name. so good. Give them a name, but then have somebody else do the talking because I can talk to my version of Ursula and I do all day long. But if somebody else would say, Hey, Ursula, do you mind just piping down? I'm going to need you for editing, but for now, I don't need you. Please go sit in the corner. Here's an iPad, yeah. pl- play solitaire. And, yeah. and, and I'll get back like to hear somebody else saying that. That's such a great idea. And it's you like, have good it's- ideas. Thanks for showing. Then I'd say to the grandma, thank you for showing up today. I must be getting close. I must be doing a job. If you're like up in the ante about, oh, thank you. Thanks so much. Now get the iPad, go sit in the corner. We'll see you later. So, you know, those are a couple, you know, little quick things that I, in the gremlin talk, of course. Um, and I just, I think going to bookstores and going to hear, you know, we can't as much now, but I still love all the book passage things they did online. And, you know, just listening to storytellers and mm-hmm. reading good books and stuff. I mean, you know, I'm clear. I'm not Ernest Hemingway. Okay. I'm gl- I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm down. Most of us aren't. Yep. I got it. I'm clear. And I also get inspired by this beautiful, rich literature and just yeah. see where they take me. And so with my books, people have said they feel like they got a, a, a peek behind the curtain of transplant because they did like, yeah. that's the stuff I can tell you down to the detail about yeah, that because that and is your I, world yeah my characters and the settings and all those other things you know blending them in but 
Um, so I think those are just a couple things that are kind of in my toolbox. Those are fantastic. I love your toolbox. I want to like go out to coffee and look inside, you know, like peek inside your toolbox. Um, let me ask you about kind of a broader look. What thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? What thing in my life affects my writing in a surprising way? Um, I've increased my power of observation and willingness to take in general, could be nature, could be Ooh. I overhear a conversation, could be, because when I took the class at College Marin, one of our assignments was to go and eavesdrop in a cafe and listen to how people talk to write dialogue. Because I love that. I, I love dialogue. Yeah, me too. So, uh, so part of, I think, in the bigger world is just kind of being really present wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, because all of a sudden my awareness picks up things that one, I didn't go shopping for, but two, I'm like, oh, I could totally use that like that. And now all the time I feel like, and, and it, as a mystery writer, you know, I can think of a million ways to kill people. Like, <laughs> A million ways. And I don't want to think it. Okay. Like even at the grocery store, when they're asking them for information, I'm thinking, yeah, you're giving them your phone number. I could be a killer. I'm behind you. I could call you up. And I mean, my, I'm grateful because I have an imagination. Yeah. And one of the things that's helped me in my writing and people think it's funny, I'm not out there to be funny, but I love humor. I did study at second city for a year. Ah. And so you learn improv. And you, and what I realized is because I was in such a life and death career that I needed to go someplace to play and, and use my imagination, which everyone has one. And it might've been stifled at a young age or over time as we get to be adults, but I think feeding it and taking improv classes and having fun and lightness expands. And so even in my world of transplant, with my improv training, I would just make fun of some of the transplant surgeons. You know, I could impersonate them pretty well in front of them. I would never do it behind the back. Right. But so Im- I think improv is something that I've heard over and over from writers saying that it imp- inc- improved their writing so much so that they bring it up. And it's something I have to admit, and I've said this on the show and I probably said it for the last time two years ago. And it's, so it's been a while um, that I want to take it. And I'm so scared of it. Like I am scared of improv. I, because I, you know, the difference between introverted and shy, shy is the one that always thinks they're going to get it wrong and, and get in trouble and be mocked. I'm the shy one. So I really think I have to do it because I love to do, well, I always do the things I'm scared of. I don't necessarily love it, but. And it's good because you learn. Yes. And in a scene and you say, Amy, talk to your water bottle about, you know, what it thinks about your latest book. I'd be like, okay, yes. And you know, what water bottle way do you, you know, they give (laughs) you, you, they, it's so, it's actually such a playground because they set the ground rules. There's no wrong thing. Uh, And if you watch Saturday night live or any of the comedy shows, you watch, it's always yes. And now they plan Mm -hmm. theirs ahead and do it, but it's kind of like, even as a writer and you're writing something going, mm, yes. And if you yes, oh. and, they say yes. And yourself. So for me, what, where that comes out in my writing is even though one of my characters is doing something and I'm like, you know, Jack, it's not a good idea to get on the motorcycle drunk with the Harley guy was just tatted up and got a bunch of, you know, things going on. <laughs> I just said, yes. And she's getting on the motorcycle. Wow. 
because that directly speaks to the inner editor who's always telling us, no, Rachel, that's a bad idea. No, Rachel, you're not a good writer. No, Rachel, da, da. oh, you have an idea. Yes. And that's huge. It's huge. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make myself a big old post-it that says, yes, and stick it to my computer. And I'm going to research improv classes here in New Zealand. Go Rachel. Even though that scares the crap out of me. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, please do. Because the people who go take them and the people who usually teach them, they're wonderful. They're kind. Yeah. You know, they're not filming you for, you know, a big Broadway show or TV show. Yeah. But you are showing up with one of the best tools we all have, which is your imagination. That I know I have. That 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 part I'm good. Oh, that's so that's so good. <sighs> okay, so what is the best book that you've read recently, and why did you love it? I just finished the Sweetness of Water, and it's a, a novel, and it's hails back to right after um, the slaves were freed in the United States, and it's about two brothers. What did I like about it? It just felt like they took me right in. I mean, I was there. Mm. I love being transported to a place and a history part that I've never seen. No, I mean, I know a little bit about, mm-hmm. you know, all of that, but to see it and through the eyes of some of the characters and the kiss, oh, they were all flawed and they were great and the compassion and the fear and the whole story just you know, it was just rich. It was just rich. It's like, I love the, all the light you cannot see that was out a long uh, years ago, but I, you know, it's one of those where I just want to turn the page slow because the richness of it is just yummy. And then there's like Janet Ivanovich or Louise Penny or Harlan Coben, which is, you know, don't read it before you go to bed because some of them you're like, I mean, with, with my first book, I swim and one of the gals came to class. She goes, I hate you. I go, why? She goes, uh, I was up till two o'clock reading your book. I read to go to sleep. And I'm like, oh, I go, did you finish? She goes, of course I finished. <laughs> right? But on some of those books, you just sit up and finish it out. But so Sweetness of Water, I thought was just so beautifully crafted. Thank um, you. I don't I, know about that one. So I'm going to, I'm going to check that out. Speaking of great books, can you please tell us about your most recent release and where we can find it? Tell us a little bit about it. Okay, so it's called Match, and here's the story. It was supposed to be called Selection. It was supposed to be about deciding who gets on the list, who doesn't, and their life. So, but but the uh, publisher, the book cover gal, wanted a shortened word because the to be to be honest, I like Match so much more. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. You must have been talking to them (laughs) because they just changed the third title to on the third book. But Match is a story about kidney transplants about organ donation, about the opioid crisis. Mm, Timely. We do get 30% of our organ donors come from overdoses. 30% in the United States. Oh, that gave me the bad chills. Oh, it's a bad chill. And I guess the only tiny silver lining about that is that because these folks are younger people who are just trying something and did too much, their bodies are very healthy. Yeah our declared brain dead and organ donation. I do kill a politician. It wasn't my fault. Okay. <laughs> it was their fault, of course. Exactly. So it's two best, my, my characters in the trilogy are two best friends who went to nursing school together, Jackie Larson and Sarah Golden. So they go through all three books and they have, you know, they have, I have characters as you may well appreciate that. I just thought we're going to be in one scene. So I didn't really give them a name, 
So I had Officer Handsome, Biker Bob. Well, it turns out these guys aren't leaving. So they're <laughs> in all three books and they're still Officer Handsome, although he's a detective now. He did get a promotion. But in my head, he's still Officer Handsome and Biker Bob is Biker Bob. So they ha- these characters have connection to the transplant world, but also to other places. And um, Match has been uh, doing well. And uh, I also do a circuit with the Academia Medical Transplant Programs in the country. So NYU, Fabulous. University of Wisconsin. And I got a call from an old colleague. Yeah, I just bought 54 copies of your book for my uh, colleagues. Could you come? Would you be able to talk to us? I'm like, uh, Yeah. <laughs> I would love to. It, it was virtual, just fine. Yeah. yeah. So the match is um, good. I think I, I'm happy with. I'm really happy with it. Actually, I'm really glad the way it turned out. I'm grateful for my developmental editor, of course. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then the third book is going to be called Hold. It was going to be called Tolerance, but the third book, Hold, is going to be about big pharma and the holy grail and transplant. Just for a little bit is would be the dream come true if people didn't have to take all the drugs. That would be the holy deal. So what it's called in the transplant world is tolerance, meaning your body would tolerate the organ and you wouldn't have to take and pay for all those medications. Right. So those are some of the, you know, components in the third book, but matches and people, even like the uh, book, uh, the owner of book passage, Elaine Petroselli, who's been amazing. um, She was willing to be a, a beta reader for me. And she's, I know I was beside, she goes, yeah, just send me your book. I said, I'm driving that to her house. I'm not sending, I'm making sure (laughs) that book gets right in front of her house. And she does this huge things with the kidney foundation every year. It's huge. Mm -hmm. They have like big, big hotels uh, in the city and one room's just full of books. She goes, I learned so much about dialysis and kidney transplant because, you know, you were very clear and it was really good. And I was like, thank you. So part, they, People have said my books are a mystery with a mission and a side of humor. I think that tagline really best describes the books and they can get them. I always encourage people to get them at their independent bookstores. Absolutely. So on, on my website, you know, at Amy S. Peel, A-M-Y-S-P-E-L-A, potato peel like an e, with an E at the end. I have a link called IndieBound and you can put your zip code in and find your local independent bookstores. And then I also have a quick button that you can just go to my website and buy it right from book passage. And Oh, that's fabulous. If you want to, you know, me to sign it, I can sign it. I go there, they call me and I'm, you know, get to go and sign a book or two. And, um, you know, (laughs) it's like that little second, I'm, you know, feeling like a movie star. (laughs) Yes. I'll I'll be right down, get in the car, go. (laughs) You want my autograph? Here it comes. Yeah, I am. But um, I just feel real strongly that we need to support our independent bookstores whenever we can. Absolutely. I 100% agree. So that's kind of where they can get it is either at their independent bookstore. If they have to go to the other place that everyone knows about, certainly it's available online, but get those independent. We need to keep those independent bookstores. I don't know what it's like in New Zealand, but you know, ours. There is no, there is no Amazon here. And it's all independent bookstores and they are packed. You walk into any independent bookstore on any block, (gasps) chock a block full of people. I just got chills. It's the best, but Amazon is, is making noises. Like they will come into New Zealand within the next couple of years. And we're all terrified because everything is a mom and pop here. You don't order anything to the house. When you need tape, you go to the store and you buy tape from the local New Zealand owned store. 
So, and there are exceptions, of course, to that, like there's Kentucky fried chicken. Everybody loves KFC in New Zealand, but, but most of it, it's just, and the bookstores are so big and wonderful. Oh and my God. It's a dream. It's, come true. it's a dream come true. It really is. Wow. And the libraries pay you for being a New Zealand author. When you get lends, it's, ugh, it's good. It's good, dream. Amy. <laughs> you are okay. I know I can't come over and I don't think I know anybody, who, but no, you can come not. visit when the, the world is open. Amy, you have been absolutely delightful to talk oh. to. I am so glad to meet you and hear about your books and your success. And I'm going to be keeping track of you. Oh, well, so. thank you, Rachel. I really appreciate that. Thank I'm very so honored much. to be in here and you're still teaching, right? I am. I am at Stanford and UC Berkeley. I, I'm still on their mailing list technically to teach for them, but I have been so busy and happy teaching on my own. Um, that I'm kind of doing that right now rather, rather than for them. So Oh. I'm not saying that I won't go back and do some virtual stuff because they're happy to have me, but, but yeah, I love teaching my, I do, I do a 90 days to done class and a 90 day revision class. So I, and I just, oh, we just started our new session yesterday. It'll be, it'll be further out when this airs, but uh, yeah, I love doing it. Well, I would love to know about them though. It's so good oh. to know. Cause a lot of authors do know yeah. that kind of protein and connection we need. Yes, exactly. Right? Oh my gosh, Amy. Thank you so much. Enjoy Marin and please go have a burrito for me. The next time you have one, it's for me. Okay. What kind am I eating? I just want to know. I like the veggie burrito from Taqueria Cancun on 16th or on, or on 24th. In, in Oakland? Uh, in, in the city. In the city. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I'm down. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Take care and happy writing to you. And be well. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.